Welcome into a brand new episode of 300 Yards to Unknown. I'm Rick Gaiman coming to you from Blue Wire Studios at the Win Las Vegas, and it is time. Second major championship of the season, the PGA Championship, and in this episode, we're going to do a little bit of an early look. We're going to talk about the beautiful Southern Hills. We'll look at a few trends and storylines and see what we can decipher as we lead into one of the biggest weeks of our season. Now, remember, this event uh, has not always been played in May. They moved it back from August. This used to be the final major championship of the year. And 20, let's see, uh, 19 was the first year that they moved it back from August. So we are back in May, a little bit of different conditions, and we're going to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Before we jump into what will come this week. And there's a lot of changes. There's a lot of conversation about the the restoration around Southern Hills. Let's just get comfortable with the history. Uh, No surprise that everyone will remember Phil Mickelson's victory at Kiowa last year, somewhat out of the blue. His approach metrics were trending. I thought he was going to play well. In no world did I think Phil Mickelson could hold on for four rounds and win a PGA championship uh, at his age and with what we had seen in the previous years leading in. Colin Morikawa, nobody will forget that. 2020 at Harding Park. That's the year where they played it with no fans. Morikawa drives the green on what? Is it 16 or 17 there late? He gets the, the trophy, drops the lid off of it, all that good stuff. Colin Morikawa gets on the board for his first major championship. And then 18 and 19 were both Brooksy. Years Brooks Kepka wins at Bell Reeve, wins at Bethpage Black, uh, gets two PGA championships over the course of two years, and then Justin Thomas in 2017 uh, nukes that five wood or three wood, whatever it was, late at Quail Hollow, wins what is still his only major championship. And uh, Justin Thomas is certainly going to be a huge storyline heading into this one. Now I'll, I'll be I'll be real. I'm recording this. Uh, the Thursday of the AT&T Byron Nelson. You'll probably see it Saturday or Sunday, something like that. I don't know the outcome of that event. I'm going to assume Justin Thomas has not won it, uh, and he is going to enter the PGA Championship without a victory in 2022. The last time that Justin Thomas went without victory in a calendar year was like nine years ago. So uh, certainly overdue. It's not for lack of good play. It's not for lack of effort. It's not for lack of trying. Bunch of top 10s this year. Things have not fallen in JT's favor. Going to be a large storyline heading into this year's PGA Championship. Obviously, the biggest storylines are, are, are whether or not Phil Mickelson even shows up for this event. We could rehash the entirety of uh, the Saudi League. We could rehash all the things that Phil has said and hasn't said. We could rehash the fact that Phil... Uh, was apparently invited to play the Masters and opted opted not to go. So will he even play? Will he be back to defense? It's insane that we had a guy win a major championship last year and did not play the Masters and might not defend. And it's not for injury. It's not for anything like that. It's just politics. It's just uh, discourse between him and his peers, his coworkers, his bosses. Uh, all of that stuff. It's its absolutely insane to even think about. My guess at the moment is that Phil will defend. 
I, I think there's a big difference between going back to the Masters, going back to Augusta National, and then actively defending your own title. I'm also in the camp that Phil will certainly be in London for the first Live Golf Invitational event. And I think this is probably the last, uh, it's not a, technically a PGA Tour event, but the last time we see him over here before he goes and starts that quest. That's, that's my current state of the union, state of Phil for, for, for those out there. Um, I, I just don't see a, a path for him not defending this. And if he doesn't, it would be unheard of. Um, even if he was suspended by the PGA Tour, which we will never know, that does not apply here. He could show up at the PGA Championship. PGA Tour does not run the PGA Championship, something I see on Twitter all the time uh, that is not true. PGA Championship doesn't run any major championship. That's why they're kind of their own thing. The Players' Championship, that's a PGA Tour event. That's their, uh, their golden standard. It's, cr- it's kind of crazy that Tiger will be playing, and we've spent more time trying to decipher whether Phil Mickelson is going to play or not. Tiger Woods... Uh, just 19 days after the final round at Augusta National, went and played a practice round at Southern Hills, and he did it under many eyeballs. Uh, It was the worst-kept secret when Tiger landed in Tulsa, got to Southern Hills. There were literally videos of him swinging off the first tee. There were literally local news helicopters flying over the practice putting green. Everyone in the world knew Tiger was at Southern Hills, and he is seemingly ready to rock and roll this time around. I'll, I'll, I'll admit, it's hard to be optimistic about Tiger Woods' chances at the PGA Championship. I'll get into some of the differences of Southern Hills from the last time we saw it, 2007, when Tiger did win the PGA Championship here. It's, it's a completely kind of different setup and visuals and all that stuff. And oh, by the way, Tiger is 15 years older, right? That was 15 years ago. Um, a, lot, a lot has changed. I, I think, you know, pat myself on the back here, did a really good job assessing the way that Tiger and everything was going to play out at Augusta National. He was likely to use his brain. He was likely to play well enough to make the cut, which he did, and then get worse as the week goes on. I think every single round got worse than the one before it. Absolutely nailed it. So I think I've got a pretty decent track record on the pulse of Tiger here in the, in the, in the recent history. It's a much bigger field. 156 golfers, full field event. There are no, like, you know, the bottom 20 at the, at, at the Masters have no chance of winning. It's a much smaller field. A lot more guys make the cut. There's a lot worse guys at the bottom. That's not going to happen here. PGA Championship, stacked field, full field. Doesn't really get the two-stroke advantage that I gave him at Augusta National. Doesn't really get that at Southern Hills. Uh, I don't really care about the 15-year-old history, especially with some of the changes that we're going to be talking about. I would be very, very impressed if Tiger Woods made the cut. I'd be very, very impressed if Tiger Woods finished inside the top 35. Do I think that that's likely? No. Uh, I'll keep an eye out for miss the cut odds on Tiger uh, as the week goes on, what's available, if we can get matchups against him. I want to pick on him a little bit and just hope he proves me wrong. Tiger's made a career of proving everyone wrong. Do it one more time, Tiger. Prove me wrong. I hope it happens, but I'll probably be financially invested in uh, some sort of fade against Tiger Woods, and then lost in all of that. Lost in all of that. We have a golfer trying to add his name to a very, very short list of golfers ever, okay? The career Grand Slam. There's been, what, five guys who have ever accomplished this? Let's see. The modern Grand Slam. Nicholas did it. Tiger did it. 
Ben Hogan, Gary Player, Gene Sarazen. That's it. That's the list. Golf's been around for a billion years. That's the list. We could add one more to that list. It's Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth needs one PGA championship to complete the career grand slam. And, oh, by the way, just won the RBC Heritage. Oh, by the way, has lost strokes with the putter for five, six, seven events in a row. Probably the worst putting stretch of his career. Do we think that that's going to last? The guy with the magic beans, the guy who's able to turn the flat stick into Excalibur? Do you think he's going to go on putting like this forever? Is there more ceiling to be had from Jordan Spieth? I tend to think so. Is Southern Hills a good setup for him? We can talk about that. I think it's okay. I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I think Brookline's probably a little bit better. I think St. Andrews is probably the best of what we have remaining for him. Very, very bullish on Jordan Spieth in three more major championships and over the course of the next six months, but one win away from adding his name to a very exclusive list of golfers, and we're not talking about it. Because Phil, because Tiger, because Scotty Scheffler's won, what, four of seven, and if he, won, if he wins the Byron Nelson, uh, add another to the list. Like, I don't know how that's going to play out. We're not talking about Jordan Spieth, fresh off victory, trying to complete the career Grand Slam. $2.16 million to the winner. It's a $12 million purse. And if you remember, uh, this event used to be match play, right? It was match play from its inception in 1916 to 1957, then turned to stroke play from 58 to present day. I like the match play. I think we should have a match play championship or a match play major championship. Let's get add a fifth major. Why not? Who cares? Add a fifth one, make it match play. Let's do that. That'd be fun. Also, uh, there was a run, and I thought I thought when the PGA Championship went to TPC Harding Park, uh, there was a really good chance that, like, I think they should just go to Muni's, right? The PGA Championship should be the championship that you can play the golf course, that I can play the golf course. I can travel to a public municipal golf course and get on, and I can recreate the Tiger shots at Torrey Pines. And I, I've tried to recreate uh, the drive from Colin Morikawa at TPC Harding Park. Let me tell you, when I played it, it was exactly the same yardage. It was like 307 from the tees we were playing. Uh, no chance, right? I think my second shot was not inside Colin Morikawa's uh, first shot that he hit there. The, the leads to the Eagle goes on to win the PGA Championship. I should be able to try to recreate that. Let's boost munis. Let's boost public courses. Let's assign the PGA Championship as a way to grow the game. That's something we've heard a lot of. We talk a lot about growing the game. How are we actually doing it? Let's go to munis. Let's go to public courses. I think the PGA Championship should lean into it. They should be the one. Southern Hills. Uh, this will be the fifth time Southern Hills has hosted the PGA Championship. Most recently, as mentioned, 2007, Tiger Woods, I've heard of him, won that event. Tulsa, Oklahoma. They're not lying about Southern. It's in Oklahoma. And they're not lying about the Hills. This is, to me, one of the greatest terrains out there. You often hear when courses are uh, created, when they are redesigned, when they are whatever, whatever, how much dirt they move. You know, they've, they've moved ton, this many tons of dirt. They reshaved everything. They recontoured everything. Southern Hills is so true to the terrain. These rolling hills throughout. Uh, the number one tee shot, the highest point on the property. Uh, and then you are just at the mercy of the routing. It is an unbelievably beautiful, natural routing. 
that leans into the terrain. And you are going to hear things like comps to Augusta National, the undulation, the ball above your feet, the ball below your feet as you hit these approach shots. You're going to hear it all week long. And it's true. Um, which one of these guys... And the, the thing I love about this is that you're kind of at the mercy of these hills in most situations. You know, these golfers are so good at hitting the ball wherever they want to, carrying it whatever number that they want. When they lose control of their golf ball is when it hits the ground. You can't control it after that. It's not Tiger Woods 2012 where you can put the spin on it in midair and and rock it any direction you want. That's awesome. I would love it if you could. You can't. And that's why firm and fast always becomes the challenge. Because once it lands, you don't control it any longer. And you're at the mercy of what the golf course is is providing to you. So they're going to use the hills and they're going to stretch it out. Since the last time we saw this in 2007, it's a completely different golf course. Uh, I I shouldn't say that. It it looks a lot different. Gil Hans did an unbelievable uh, restoration technically, right? It's not a redesign. He tried to take it back to Perry Maxwell's original design, uh, which incorporated... We'll talk about the greens, the creeks. We'll talk about all that. But this is not technically a redesign. It is much more of a restoration and a lengthening, some new tee boxes out there. We're talking about a big boy golf course, a par 70, 7,556 yards on the scorecard. It's an absolute monster. The two par fives on the golf course, I'll get to them in a second. Animals. It's dirty. Like, like the fives are not scoring opportunities. I don't know if there are scoring opportunities out there. I've had an opportunity. I've read the quotes for the guys that have been there. I've texted with a couple of guys who have played it already in the week or two before. I'm hearing the same thing. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a test. Uh, does that mean four under? Does that mean six under? Does it mean over par? Over par is pretty, that's pretty devious. These guys are very, very good. Wouldn't be surprised to see four under win it, six under, eight under, something like that. Um, Obviously, I don't know what the weather's going to be like. I assume it's going to be hot, humid, firm, fast, all that fun stuff. But I'm hearing the same thing. It is going to be a true test of golf. Let's talk about the restoration here. Gil Hans, unbelievable job. He is, um, he seems to be getting all the big, all the big gigs recently, right? And he deserves it. Awesome stuff he does. They cleared a lot of trees. So if you go back and you watch the footage from 07, you'd think this is a completely different golf course. You would look at it and you'd be like, this is, Tigers hitting the, this isn't the same place. It's the same place. They cleared a lot of trees. Um, they roughed up the bunkers. So the bunkers, uh, you'll notice this. They used to be saucers. And they used to just be very, I don't want, not rectangular, what, what oblong. Not circles, but a little bit wider than that. They were like oblong things, right? But very circular edges. They roughed them up. Much more natural, hand-cut bunkers. What that creates uh, is a situation where they're almost a bit more magnetic. Right, you can kind of get some more awkward lies. You can be in the face of it. Uh, it's just kind of a more awkward uh, bunkering, and there's a ton of bunkers. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. But to me, the big story here is um, is the greens. These are what I think the biggest changes are. I think the greens are now small and guarded. We'll start with the small. So what they did is, and, and I heard Gil Hans give an interview about this. So what had happened over the last few decades at Southern Hills is just naturally as that course settles and as they're maintaining it um the the edges of the greens uh kind of turned into like bowls a little bit right and and it kept a lot of balls on the greens and what they did is they rolled those down 
So now you already have these very small greens that are effectively much, much smaller. Because if it is on the edge of the green, it's no longer likely to stay there or roll towards the middle of the green. It is now likely and much more likely to roll off the green, roll 15 or 20 yards away, uh, give you a tight lie where the green is now eye level or above your head, and you've got to pitch back up. We'll talk about how that impacts approach shots in just one second. But to me, the greens, which were already small, being effectively smaller is massive. I think you're going to need really good, strong approach play. Hit everything to the middle of the green and two putt. Make par. Par likely to be a good score often. Or have an elite short game. We've talked about this before at other major championships and other places that have shaved edges and greens that run away from you. Uh, We'll talk more about it in a second. Well-protected greens. Well-protected. 11 different holes are guarded by at least four bunkers. Think about that. Four bunkers around one green. It's a lot. Now think about that 11 different times. It's insane. It's well guarded. So if you are missing, uh, you're rolling into a tight lie or you're rolling into a bunker. The bunker is probably a better situation as long as it gets into a flat area. Sand saves likely to be important, right? Not just a short game, the ability to get up and down from bunkers, the ability to roll the ball, make par, all those five, six, seven footers for par that we see often determine major championships, likely to to determine another major championship this time around. The fact that they took the rough, so it used to be you miss a green, rolls into thick rough, now you're having to get up and down from there. That is not necessarily a penalty on the PGA Tour. So what you see a lot of times when golf courses want to make it more difficult and they want to uh, increase the randomness a little bit, which I'll talk about in a second, or also make it harder is they shave all that rough down and they make it tight lies everywhere. So the ball, just it just rolls away. So think about this. If you have a, if you have a small green that is guarded by thick rough, if you hit a 49th percentile shot and your ball uh, trickles off the green and goes into the rough, three feet off the green, fine. If you hit a 25th percentile shot and it comes in hot and it lands on the green and rolls back and it stops four feet off the green in the thick rough, it's not that big of a difference. Not that big of a difference between a 49th percentile shot and a 29th percentile shot. I think you're going to see a bigger difference this time around because if you can get it to stop on the green, if you can get it to stay there, if you can hit a good shot, you are now rewarded for that. Poor shots are now punished more. And it's not necessarily bad shots. It's like below average shots, right? If you're just a little bit off, you are now at the mercy of those shaved down areas that are being taken uh, 15 or 20 yards away. And now you have a tight lie. And now you've got to decide, am I going to bang it into this hill? Am I going to try to flop it? Like, what are my options here? I'm now short side. It's just, it's going to create a completely different game that rewards second shots and rewards the excellent short game players. Um, What I love what they did, and I heard this from some guys who have played it, and I love this about it. Uh, The fairway bunkers. We've talked a lot about the greenside bunkers. The fairway bunkers, they made a, a small, but in my opinion, devious change. And you'll see it right out of the gate on number one. So number one, slight dog leg uh, to the left. They took the fairway bunkers that edged the fairway on the right-hand side and move them to the left-hand side of the dog leg. 
And what that has created is a situation of risk reward. Think about it. If you are hitting, uh, if you're a very good driver of the golf ball, you're going to try to cut the dog leg as much as possible. You're going to try to do that everywhere. When those bunkers did not exist, you were never at the mercy of landing it in the bunker and getting plugged or anything like that. And if you hit an already poor shot to a right fairway bunker on the outside of the dog leg, you were punished even more by being in a fairway bunker. Well, now you could hit a pretty good shot that is trying to cut the edge of the dog leg and find the bunker. So now you have to be very sure that you can carry it. You've got to be very sure to hit a good one. You are now in a situation where you have to think about that drive. And when you start doing that over and over and over again, we talk about it so much at major championships, these little edges add up. Uh, the great drivers of the golf ball likely to continue to have success at Southern Hills because they're going to know what they're capable of doing and more importantly, being able to pull it off. And now there is more penalty for just slightly below average shots. It's, it's a devious little move they pulled that I don't know if it'll get much coverage this week, but I love it. Moving fairway bunkers to the landing area of the dogleg. Brilliant. Brilliant, Gil. Um, the Creeks. This will be a, a, a fairly large storyline as the week goes on. So again, this is not a redesign. This is a restoration. And back in the original design of Southern Hills, there were these creeks that essentially spidered and ran throughout the entirety of the property. And over the years, as technology got better, as they started making changes, they moved a lot of that plumbing and a lot of that stuff underground. And you never saw it. And these creeks were, were few and far between. The, the water wasn't running through them as much anymore. It, ju it just wasn't as big of a deal. They brought the creeks back. Love the creeks. So you've got these, you know, one yard wide water hazards, essentially, that run throughout the length of the golf course. They come into play off of fairways. They come into play off of greens. Some will feed into larger bodies of water. Some are wider than others. Some are very small. All of them can cost you. And you have to be quite exact. And unfortunately, the part that you have to be most exact about is the part that you cannot control because once your ball starts rolling, if they start rolling towards one of these creeks, you are in big trouble. So they just, they just meander throughout the golf course. They are in play a lot. I, to me, the perfect example is, um, is number four. Number four is a short par four. So it is really, for basically every single guy in this field, it's a driver and a wedge. It's a very, on paper, simple hole. When you go to play it and you stand on the tee box or you stand in the fairway, it looks and feels a lot different because that fairway, as you can imagine, with the Southern Hills, cambers and angles to the right. Well, what's at the end of the fairway off that side, on the right-hand side? One of these creeks. And everything pushes towards the creek. So now you've taken a very easy driver wedge short par four and turned it into a situation where if you don't hit a shot with right to left spin, or you don't take those creeks out of play, if you hit something that has a baby cut on it, or God forbid, a slice on it, you are bringing these creeks into play. It's taking an easy hole and throwing an opportunity in for a hazard. It makes it a lot more difficult. Um, you're also going to notice that a lot of these fairways camber towards greens. 
So what you might end up seeing, and this is, we'll see as out how it plays out, but in theory, uh, a, a fairway that cambers left to right, you would ideally want to hit a draw into that or a right to left shot into that kind of deaden it, make sure you are not riding. It's like, it's like trying to hold it up against the wind, right? You're trying to hold it up against the fairway. And same thing in the opposite direction. Can you find a golfer who can work it both ways? Because that might be pretty important this week, right? When you turn around and run the other side of the property and now everything's running left to right instead of right to left, uh, yeah, I, I, now I've got to adjust my shot shapes. I've got to adjust the spin because I've got to hope to control it as much as possible once it lands on the ground. And then when you get greenside, all of the, all of the areas around these greens that are repelling golf balls, they're not just repelling them away from greens, away from the hole, but towards greenside bunkers and towards creeks. I think you're going to see like a lot of little awkward, that rolled one yard too far, and now he's got to take a drop because he's in one of these creeks. Like I think you're going to see that a lot. It's going to be super awkward. Some guys are going to get very unlucky with it. You're going to, I, I believe you're going to have guys hit a lot of good shots that end up getting penalized into hazards. That, that is kind of what I envision here. The par fives, as discussed, are absolute monsters. The fifth hole, a 656-yard par five. So, obviously, very unlikely anybody gets there in two. And even layups are hard around here. That's the thing that, that, that you get. I, I, I encourage you all to go watch. Um, it should just be on YouTube. It's called Every Hole Live. Every hole at, I think it's called, I should have looked up what it's called. Every hole at, this is a golf digest uh, series that they've done for a lot of different golf courses and they generally do them for major championships and they do flyovers and they get it voiced over by someone at the golf course who understands the architecture and uh, the way that the design was intended to be created. Go watch that and you're going to look at the landing area of the layup on number five, this absolute monster of a par five. And you will be shaken in your boots. You have, and this is another thing I love about professional golf. If you can, if you can put these guys in awkward spots where even the layup is no small feat, chef's kiss, right? That that's that's what I want to see here. So uh, that layup on number five, it's 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 bunkers and creek, and you've got to be quite exact on it, or you can lay it back even further, which again is going to impact your next shot. That's kind of what I noticed around Southern Hills. There are so few shots that are just impacting themselves, which is rare on PGA Tour setups. Uh, it's much more common at major championship setups, but like your T drive so greatly impacts your second shot at Southern Hills. And your second shot so greatly impacts your third shot. It goes back to my example about whether there's just a ton of rough around the greens or whether it's been shaved down. If there's a ton of rough around the green, a 25th percentile shot and a 75th percentile shot end up in generally the same area. Not here. So every shot impacts your next one even greater, which is why you hear, and statistically that's likely to be true, and, and, and it's why you hear so many guys that say, well, you've got to grind over every single shot. You know, you, you have to be good in every single facet of your game when you get to a major championship. It's not because it's hard. It's because every shot you hit is going to affect you on the next one, which I think is absolutely brilliant. The other par five, this one's going to be fun. Number 13, the way that they've adjusted the routing and they added a new tee box on 13, the back tee box there, that makes it 632 yards. 
is now directly adjacent and a little bit higher up to the 12th green. So much so that if you're teeing off 13, you are hitting it over 12 green. So there is going to be about a million situations this week in which those guys on 12 green have to stop and maybe take cover. I, I Maybe not. I guess if it was me, you'd have to take cover. And wait for the guys to tee off of 13. And they're going to be constantly looking at each other. There's going to be a little bit of a backup there. Like, it's going to happen. But it, to, to see these guys do that, and there's a great, there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be a great camera angle off of 13T. It, it, it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen before to drive over another green active during a major championship. And then as you get to the finishing hole, 17, 18, um, I, I, there's a couple of things. 17 to me is a perfect example of options. And I think that's a phrase and a word you might hear a lot this week. Southern Hills gives you options. This is not, um, I don't want to throw Augusta Nashville under the bus, something I would never do. But there are, there are maybe it's not Augusta Nashville, but there are a lot of places where everyone is hitting from the same spot. It's why Bryson was able to take care of winged foot like he was. He was hitting from spots no one else was hitting from, giving him a sizable advantage. There are just about a million options around Southern Hills. Another thing that I heard from all the guys that have been playing it in the, in the days and weeks leading up to it. There's like six ways you can play every single hole. Number 17 is a perfect example of that. There's just a million ways you can play it. You can try to take on risk and hit driver down to the left-hand corner and try to get a better angle and try to hit a shorter club in, or you can lay back and have a longer club in. You can put your foot on the gas if you need to. You can dra- drift a little bit, draft a little bit. If, if, you're, if you're playing ahead or you think par might be a good score, 17 is a really good example of it, but there's going to be a lot of holes out there that give these guys options. I don't think it's just going to be everybody with driver off the same hole. There's going to be a couple holes like that. It's just driver, hit it as far as you can. But there's going to be a lot where some guys are going to hit three iron. Some guys are going to hit five with. Some guys are going to hit driver. And, and that's what I love. There's a lot of options to play these holes. And then 18, 18 a brute. Right, maybe one of the most difficult uh, holes in major championship golf. Maybe one of the kind of coolest, weirdest visuals. So I, I can't wait for you guys to see 18 green that is obviously well bunkered. So much so that the bunk they actually just drift the bunkers up almost like almost up to the clubhouse. It's it's almost just for visuals, and I doubt a lot of balls end up there. But it's just such a visually intimidating hole. And then when you play it, it's even worse. It's long. It's demanding. You're, you're definitely uh, capable of getting into a lot of trouble. If you make par on 18 on Sunday, you've done a, a great job. It's likely the winner of this championship makes bogey. Actually, we should look at that. Uh, there will likely be a prop that is, you know, bogey or worse, bogey on the last hole, par on the last hole, birdie on the last hole. We, we, we might want to look at bogey early in the week before they take before they take too much money. It's just going to be an absolutely brutal championship hole. Talk about a couple of trends here. The Players' Championship has historically been one of the more volatile major championships when it comes to uh, fantasy and wagering. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because you've got the full field of 156 golfers and we're going to a different course every single year. And even though we go to different courses uh, for the Open Championship, Rota, you know, a lot of those courses are similar, right? And you're you're playing Lynx-style golf, and um, 
similar things can get you into difficulty, but maybe because we're changing golf courses every year, we're getting the best of the best at, at PGA championships. It's just been more volatile and I've got the data to back it up. So what I did is I ran uh, what is essentially the last 15 major championships and of the most expensive golfers, golfers that are $10,000 or more expensive on DraftKings, the guys that you should expect to contend, you should expect to win, are gaining, on average, 23 fantasy points to the field. Sounds like a lot. It's the worst of all four major championships, right? Uh, the, the, the expensive guys at the Masters, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship have historically gained more strokes to the field than the PGA Championship. And the PGA Championship is really the only place where the $8,000 golfers and the $7,000 golfers have thrived. So I have the data here. Uh, the 7,000, yes. So no, the $8,000 golfers at the PGA Championship on average are gaining 14 fantasy points to the field. The Open Championship for comparison, 7.5%. Or seven and a half points, excuse me. So basically twice as many points gained to the field in the 8K range at the PGA Championship. And we already talked about how the open the guys at the top of the Open Championship player pool generally do better. So it makes sense that the guys in the 8K range do worse. The 7K range, also the best for the PGA Championship. 7.24 fantasy points gained to the field. While the Masters, that's the worst. 5.7 fantasy points gained on average. So it makes sense, right? And think about Augusta National, think about the Masters. You get generally the same field, the same caliber of golfer. Uh, you get the, the the smaller field, so the same guys make the cut. And you also get the same course every single year that plays similarly every single year. So it makes sense that that one would be uh, what is essentially the chalkiest. Let's continue to dive into this. Of the 21 golfers, that have been priced over $10,000 on DraftKings in the last four PGA championships, five of them have finished inside the top 10. It's the worst of any, the worst rate of any major championship. And even more so, uh, the chalk, the popular golfers have struggled. So let me, let me differentiate here. There's a difference between the expensive golfers, the guys that are the favorites leading into the week, and then as the week goes on, especially with pricing coming out so early, the guys that end up being the most popular, they could be across any price range and often are. Often there are guys uh, that will catch a huge heater the week before. Maybe it's Sebastian Munoz this time around. I think he's like $6,600 for the PGA Championship. Just went out shot a 60 in the opening round of the AT&T Byron Nelson. Maybe he's now a popular option for the PGA Championship. As the week goes on, we find out who the popular guys are. Well, golfers... Over 20% owned, gaining on average 25 fantasy points to the field. The second lowest of any major championship. In fact, the only one worse uh, is the U.S. Open. Chalky guys at the U.S. Open have not done well in recent years, gaining 17 fantasy points to the field. The Masters much better, 34 fantasy points to the field. The Open Championship, chalk it up, baby. Let's remember this uh, for, for, for the Open Championship in a couple of months. 65 fantasy points gained to the field on average by guys over 20%. So we want to chalk it up when we get to the Open Championship. We do not necessarily want to chalk it up when we get to the PGA Championship. Now, uh, who's likely to be that chalk? Well, 
Uh, it's probably too early to tell. Again, I'm recording this on a, on a Thursday. I do not know the outcome of the AT&T Byron Nelson. But when you start to look at the pricing, you can probably identify who some of these guys are going to be. And especially if someone plays well or wins at the AT&T Byron Nelson, you're going to see a lot of changes and a lot of vibes pushed towards that golfer. I already mentioned Sebastian Munoz. The opening round, 60 at the AT&T Byron Nelson, probably going to increase his ownership quite a bit. You start to look at the soft pricing and you realize someone like a Tony Finau is $7,900. If you ask me the types of skill sets that are likely to find success around Southern Hills, uh, guys that drive the ball well, and I, I, I believe guys that have a lot of shots in their repertoire off the tee. Do I think that Tony Finau is one of those guys? Not necessarily. I also think Tony Finau uh, sprays it too much. He's like outside the top 150 in driving accuracy. He's not as long as you think he is. He's outside the top 70 in driving distance. Uh, I worry about his short game. I worry about the putter. Uh, I, I just worry about a lot of things. I, I, could, I could foresee a situation where Tony Finau is living in these creeks. Not hitting a bunch of bad shots, but hitting a lot of just like, eh, okay shots that are getting away from him. Joaquin Neiman, to me, uh, and someone that I very much like for the AT&T Byron Nelson, and and I'm hoping that uh, he doesn't win. Well, I guess I hope he wins. I'd cash that ticket. But $8,500 on DraftKings for the PGA Championship, he's a nine-window guy. He's got all the shots off the tee. Um, Long golf course is not necessarily a huge detriment. Can find a hot putter, even though it has cooled recently. Someone that I would keep an eye on. Scrolling through the rest of this, you know who's going to be popular at the PGA Championship? Is Sergio going to be popular? $7,200. Uh, is, I almost said Phil Mickels. Is Maverick McNeely? $7,100. You know, I'm just, you start to see some of these guys that might be mispriced. Is it Johnny Vegas? If Johnny Vegas has another top 10, Johnny Vegas is $6,900. He's going to be incredibly popular. These are the guys that we're going to have to keep an eye on. And historically, they've not done well when they've been popular at the PGA Championship. If we turn our attention to the top of the board, these are the guys that we know are going to be the favorites. We know these guys are going to be the most expensive. As of right now, it's Rom, it's Justin Thomas, it's Scotty Shuffler, it's Rory McIlroy. It's all the familiar names you'd expect. I will tell you, uh, again, I, I've seen enough on Hideki. I, I, I bet Hideki this morning, Thursday morning of the AT&T Byron Nelson, 45 to 1. Will I get a better number next week when books reset? Maybe I will. But I, couldn't, I could not risk Hideki winning the Byron Nelson and coming in next week at 25 to 1. Hideki Matsuyama, one of the hottest players on, on planet Earth from November when he actually plays, right? He's been dealing with the neck injury and everything that's going on. Um, if you talk about what Hideki does well, drives it beautifully, drives it long. One of the best iron wedge players on Earth. Has putted better in the last six months than he's ever putted his entire career. Don't lump in Hideki being historically a bad putter with Hideki being a bad short game guy. Not true. Hideki around the green, excellent. Hideki historically on the green, horrible. Hideki recently on the green, excellent. Already a major champion. I'm ready to go. I bet it this morning. So that's someone that I was a little bit worried about, that potentially moving. Um, I'm, I'm worried no longer. Joaquin Neiman, 45 to 1, same number. I will likely live in that range. Uh, I, I will take, a, if, you're, if you're looking at anybody at the top of the board, as exciting as Justin Thomas is, as exciting as even John Rahm or Colin Morikawa or Victor Hovland are, I think you wait for the reset there. I think you wait for PGA Championship Week. You wait for the, the reset. There's going to be a lot of competitive um, 
lines out there. Everybody's going to be vying for your dollars. I think those are worth waiting for. As I look through some of these other names, if Paul Casey was anywhere remotely healthy, I think he'd be interesting for a PGA championship, right? Guys that um, are just going to be good ball strikers. You know, Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel wins a lot. He's 80 to 1. Billy Horschel wins a lot. Uh, is he going to win a major championship? I don't know. Of the top. So here's here's where I'm at. Uh, again, very early. The only bet that I've made is Hideki Matsuyama. Patrick Cantlay in the 20s will be a name that I click. Uh, just does everything well. He's been nearly dominant in PGA Tour events. Now entering his 20th major, and I believe it's his 17th as a professional. I think he played three as an amateur. 20th major championship with little success. Couple of top 10s. And never really, really contending. John Rahm won his first major in his 20th try. Now, I guess he had contended a little bit more. But it, it just, it just kind of takes time sometimes. And you can get a little bit unlucky. And you can play poorly. Uh, can't lay somewhere in the 20s is a name that I'm going to be clicking and adding to my Hideki Matsuyama portfolio. Uh, finding things to fade Tiger on, likely to be a viable option for me. And then I will keep an eye on uh, the Max Homa number. And it's, you know, it's funny. Has Scotty Scheffler just broken all the mold of guys who can't win four out of six? Something like that, right? Like, if, the, if it was anywhere else, I'd be like, oh, man. Homa just won the Wells Fargo Championship. He's not going to win the PGA Championship, right? His best, his best major, his best major performance is a T40 at the Open Championship a couple of years ago. Probably not going to win a major. I don't know. Kind of feels like he could. Kind of feels like he has the game, right? What we saw at TPC Potomac was pretty special. Not a lot of highlights. Hit it to the middle of the green. Two putt. When you miss a green, get up and down. He was splendid. He didn't knock the socks off of anybody, and I don't necessarily think that's what you're going to have to do. Where has he won? Quail Hollow, TPC Potomac, uh, Riviera. These are some of the tougher tests that we have. Uh, you're certainly getting a shorter number now than you would have before the win, but hey, add another victory to your back pocket, to your excitement level for Max Homa, and 65 to 1 or whatever you're going to end up getting him at during PGA Championship week, 80 to 1, probably going to feel pretty good. Probably going to feel pretty good. If I enter the week with, or if I close the week, with a Cantlay ticket in the 20s, a Hideki ticket that I already have at 45, somewhere in the 40s, a Homa 65 to 85, and my weekly Victor ticket, I'd feel pretty good. I'd probably add one more, right? I'd like, I'd like to get the five. But if I, if I started Thursday morning, Southern Hills, baby, Tulsa, with those four in my pocket, I think I'd be pretty happy about it. And that's probably the direction that I'm going. But there's a lot still to figure out. There's going to be a lot that we uh, learn when we get boots on the ground. There's going to be a lot that we learn from the PGA or from the uh, AT&T Byron Nelson. There's going to be a lot of chatter that I'm going to try to remove myself from and just look at the metrics, how guys are trending, and, and how they might fit for this golf course. We're going to try to do a really good job of assessing the skills required to find victory around Southern Hills. And then we're going to go with those guys. And there's going to be a lot of great content all week. Hopefully, you have found this to be helpful as a first look, a little bit of a deep dive into Southern Hills, get you excited about it. Second major championship of the year. I cannot wait. 
You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. You can leave a comment below, join the conversation. But this has been a brand new episode of 300 Yards to Unknown. Catch you next time.